18, I apologize. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. I know I preached kind of out of this text back in January, but I'm, I'm going off of the book, The Circle Maker, and it's a powerful book. And if you've never, if you haven't read it, um, uh, get a copy from ChristianBook.com, Amazon.com. You could probably buy it at Barnes and Nobles. I saw some copies up at the Christian Bookstore by Lake Forest Mall. Uh, I'm sure you can find a copy. All right. Luke chapter 18. I hope, I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed the book. I think it's a great sermon series as well, and God wants us to believe in him. Luke 18, 1 through 5 says this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. So here you know the story. We talked about this. This Jesus was using this parable that this judge was holding back and this, this widow had, had wanted justice and she kept bugging him. I'm probably stalking him. I would imagine today is stalking, right? I imagine she was bugging him day and night. He's eating lunch and she, she's standing by the table where he's eating lunch. He's probably at home getting ready to read the paper at, you know, and he's, she's knocking on the door. She's walking, when he's out walking his dog, she's probably saying, will you grant me justice? To the point that she, he finally says, okay, here, just, I'm going to grant you justice. And so the parable, Jesus is telling us that we should pray like this. That we should say, God is a big God, amen? And that we don't bug God, but we're persistent and say, God, grant us mercy. God, I have this physical need. Would you grant me mercy? God, I have a financial need. Would you help me? God, I have a relational need. Would you help me? God, our church needs this. God, our nation needs this. Lord, my home country needs this. And if we're persistent with God, God says that persistence pays off. And so I want to talk for a few minutes about praying hard. If you hit the slide, praying hard... And we're going to talk about the persistent... Yeah, go ahead, go to the next one. The persistent quotient. In, in this book, The Circle Maker, uh, in, in standardized math tests... Now, let me, let me just say this to you. Sometimes, uh, being half Asian, people automatically have this connotation, think that I know math and science very well. Um, and I do because I studied it hard. Okay? And so there's this connotation that if someone's Asian, they're very smart in sciences, or if they're Indian, they're very smart. And, and so... Or whatever... And so, so let me just read this. This is, this is something that happened. In standardized math tests, Japanese children consistently score higher than their American counterparts. While some assume that the natural proclivity toward mathematics is the primary difference, researchers have discovered that this may have more to do with effort than ability. In one study involving first graders, students were given a difficult puzzle to solve. The researchers weren't interested in whether or not the children could solve the puzzle. They simply wanted to see how long they would try before giving up. The American children lasted an average of 9.47 minutes. The Japanese children lasted 13.93 minutes. In other words, the Japanese children tried 40, 47% longer. Is it any wonder why they score higher on math exams? Question mark. Researchers concluded that the difference in math scores might have to do less with intelligence quotient and more to do with persistence quotient. The Japanese first graders simply tried harder. The study not only explains the difference in standardized math scores, the implications are, 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 are true no matter where you turn. It doesn't matter whether it's athletics or academics, music or math or spiritual growth. It might take 10,000 hours, but here, let's talk about this. Is it any different in prayer? 
You see, sometimes you might hear about a prayer warrior and say, wow, man, God answers their prayer. Why? I would probably say they're persistent. And you say, well, what does God answer my prayers? And I'm going to encourage us to be persistent. The Bible encourages us here in this, this parable of the, of the persistent widow to be persistent. Amen? Persistence does pay off. Amen? And so I want to talk about this, that this morning, that sometimes you and I give up just on the cusp of, of God breaking through. We get tired, we get weary, we get busy with life. I understand that life is busy around here. And it sucks life out of you. The life that we live sucks our spiritual life out of us. And so we get tired, we get weary. And so I want to encourage us to pray. And I want to challenge you because, you see, success comes when we are persistent in our prayer life. Amen? The bigger the dreams, the harder you're going to have to pray. The bigger the miracle you're going to need, the harder you're going to have to pray. Amen? So let's talk about this, the persistent quotient. Letter A, desperate measures. We just read about this, the parable of the, uh, of the persistent widow. Mark, Mark Batterson says in his book, Praying Hard is praying through. And if you pray through, listen to this, God will come through. When you pray through, God will come through. In other words, if you keep praying, say, God, I'm not going to let go of this until you, you answer. Remember that whole, the whole premise of the book is Honey was, a, a, was a, a, a prophet in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And there was a drought in the land. And Honey circled, made a circle in the ground and he said, Lord, I'm not leaving this circle until it rains. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and it rained. And so I want to teach us, help us through God's Word, and we're talking about this, is making a circle around that thing that God wants you to believe for and pray that God will answer that. Amen? And so here it is, persistence. Letter A, desperate measures. Desperate times calls for desperate measures. Come on, right? If your doctor said your child was dying and you needed to, you needed to gather $1,000 or $10,000, would you just sit around? You would be persistent. You'd ask all your friends. You would dig and scrounge. I mean, and the doctor said, okay, 10000 up. I need another 10000 We're going to take care and we're going to heal your child. I guarantee you, you're going to be persistent. You're going to be desperate. Amen? And so a lot of times we don't equate that in our spiritual sense. We think, well, you know, I, I just don't know. You've got to be persistent if there's a need because some of you, many of us in this room have needs that are beyond our physical ability to provide for. And God wants to teach us that you have to learn to pray through and believe that God can do a big thing. Maybe you have a thousand dollar bill. God can provide. Amen? Maybe you need a medical miracle. God can do that. But you've got to be persistent in prayer. Amen? Maybe you have a relation that needs to be fixed. God can fix it. But continue to be persistent in prayer. Amen? You see, the, the widow was persistent in her life. It wasn't just the fact she was persistent until she received justice. And I'm encouraging you to be desperate in prayer. Because when we're not desperate... We don't, we don't pray. We're like, well, you know, I, I, I don't really need... To. You need to pray if you have something that you need God to break through. I want you to be desperate. Listen to this. If we learn to pray hard, like the persistent widow, God will honor our bold prayers because our bold prayers honor God. God is waiting for us to be persistent in our prayers. Amen? Do we take desperate measures? I mean, listen to this. Jesus, Jesus honored a, a prostitute by being desperate for him. She, she washed his feet and she was desperate for him. He honored her. Jesus honored the tax collector, Zacchaeus, that climbed to the top of the tree so he could see Jesus. Jesus honored the faith of four friends. Remember, they brought their paralytic friend. They cut a hole in the roof because they were desperate. I'm telling you, the church in America, we're not desperate enough for God to move in our lives. Come on! 
We're not desperate enough to say, God, would you overturn this, this same-sex marriage thing? We're not desperate enough to say, God, we need a revival in this church. God, Pastor Stan needs to preach better. You're not desperate in prayer, I can tell. I'm just teasing now. Seriously, Pat, God, we need to grow some ministries here. Then be desperate in prayer. God, would you send the people? Would you raise up the people? Amen? Come on, would you be desperate and say, God, I need this thing to happen in my life, my family, my nation, my church. Nothing has changed. God still honors desperate prayers. So I'm asking you to, to begin to, to find things in your life. Say, I need to be desperate until God answers, until I get justice for this. Amen? So let's move on. The next one is a small cloud. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Kings 18. If not, I believe I have it. Yes, I do. 1 Kings 18. Write this down if you need to. 1 Kings 18, verses 43 through 46. 1 Kings 18, 43 through 46. This is Elijah, and he's praying. And there was, there was no rain on, on the land. And here he is, verse 43. Go and look towards the sea. He told the servants, and he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the, the sky grew dark with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain came, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. This is pretty cool too. This is just a little extra. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah, and tucking his cloak in his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. And that, that's a cool miracle too. You ever seen a, a person outrun horses? I never have. But here's the greater miracle is that he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and then rain came and covered and took care of the drought. And so, several centuries before Honi prayed for rain, the Lord promised Elijah that he would send rain. But I believe Elijah, the same thing, had to circle that, that miracle in prayer. He prayed and he prayed and he sent his servant up seven times, go and look towards the sea. What do you see? Six times the servant came back and said, I see nothing. And finally the seventh time, we saw, he saw there was a cloud the size of a hand. Miracles sometimes start by small things, by being persistent. And so here it is. The Lord promised it. Elijah's servant goes and God changes things because they're persistent in prayer. What if, think about this, what if Elijah had stopped praying after the fourth time? What if Elijah had stopped after the fifth time or even stopped at the, after the sixth time? And you see, sometimes you and I, were, again, we're just right on the edge or the verge of a miracle, but we give up. And I would encourage you, continue to pray. Don't give up on God because God doesn't give up on us. Amen? And a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this, is I allow my circumstance to get between me and God. I allow a circumstance to seem bigger than God. And what we need to do is say, God, you need to get in between me and the circumstance. Amen? You see what I'm saying? We allow something to look bigger than it is and God is bigger than anything that you and I are ever going to face. Amen? Are you doing okay? I want to encourage you, don't lose heart. Don't lose patience. Don't lose faith. Keep praying. Keep believing. That dream that God gave you, that purpose, that call, that miracle, that thing that you need from God, continue to pray because God answers prayer. Amen? I mean, we've seen it. We talk, Mitt talked about the people we prayed that God would heal them of cancer. We saw God's hands on little Hannah in the last couple of weeks. You and I have seen personal miracles, so continue to pray, amen? God is a God that loves to do great things. Don't give up. Pray through. Let me talk about letter C, hyperlink. You think, well, hyperlink? How is that spiritual? Now, I, all of you guys, most of you now, you, you know internet. How many of you know what the internet is? Just five of you? Okay. 
we're in trouble. No, I'm just kidding. You, you ever like on, on, a, on a web page or an email, there's like a highlighted colored thing and you go and you press it and it takes you somewhere else? Another website? That's called a hyperlink. You understand that now? Are you cra- Think about this in the sense of a spiritual hyperlink. Okay? I'm sure that Honey was inspired by Elijah's prayer. So there was a spiritual hyperlink between him and Elijah. If God can answer Elijah's prayer, by all means God can answer my prayer. Don't you think that's possible? He said if God can do it for Elijah, He can do it for me. And check this out. I believe Elijah, during his prayer, probably had a hyperlink back to the miracle of quail. If God can, could, could rain down quail on the children of Israel, I, I'm sure God could bring rain on the land right now. So there's another spiritual hyperlink. Do you see what I'm saying? You're kind of, okay, I don't get this. This is Mark Batterson stuff, but it's good. See, what happens is, you and I have a spiritual hyperlink. It's called the Word of God. Are you following me? And when you begin to read the Word of God, you begin to see the hand of God in, the, in His people. And you and I have it. We can take our finger, press on that, say, clink, and it takes us to the hyperlink. Say, God, if you can do that, then you can do it today. Come on, church. God can do the same thing. The Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So if God can part the Red Sea, then He can do that kind of stuff today. If God can rain down quail and manna, He can do that stuff today. If Jesus raised people from the dead, He can still do that today. In fact, it does happen still today. Amen? Come on, church. So we have this hyperlink. We have this thing that we... So, so if you, you're not sure about something, you're going to be tentative, right? But if you're sure about something, you'll have confidence, right? And so if we're not sure about God's care, we're not going to pray with faith. We're going to say, well, but if we say, God, you're able. I'm trusting you for big things. We're going to pray with tenacity. We're going to be like the persistent widow that I'm going to see justice or I'm going to see this need met. All spiritual blessings. Listen to this. Would you get this for a second? All the spiritual blessings of the Bible are yours through Jesus Christ. Say that with me. All the spiritual blessings of the Bible are mine through Jesus Christ. Now let me show you why. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this. For no matter, listen, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes. Did you see that? They are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us into the glory of God. Did you see that? The promises of God are yes through Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Galatians 3, 26-29. 26 says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You should be shouting right now. You should be going, wow, this is bigger than anything the world offers. We, have, we are heirs with Jesus Christ. Remember God said, Abraham, your descendants will be numerous. Because that a hyperlink, our descendants can be numerous. That 150 that we are can go to 300. Because if we're saying, God, I claim the inheritance of Abraham, that Abraham expanded, that Rockville Assembly God expand. That I, here, my, in fact, my prayer life is, God, I pray for spiritual, the spiritual inheritance in your life. I've been praying that for the last couple of weeks. God, would you allow the spiritual inheritance for every person in this church to happen? And not only for them individually, but for us as a church. Father, I'm praying for our spiritual inheritance. 
Do you understand what's happening? God has given us everything that we need to, to present His gospel. God is giving us everything that we need to live in this life. But a lot of times we don't press that hyperlink. You see what I'm saying? We don't go to the promise. We don't believe that promise anymore. And God's promises are still true today. Amen? Are you excited? Come on, amen. That, that need that you have, God can take care of it. Because the Bible says, I will meet all your needs according to my riches and glory. Amen? So letter D, circling the promises. We often view prayer just as prayer. And we, we, often read, we, we often view reading the Bible as reading the Bible. I'm going to encourage you to, why don't we do both? Why don't you read the Bible and pray together? Have you ever like been praying and you've run out of stuff to pray? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You're praying, God bless the missionaries, God bless so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, God bless Mickey Mouse. I mean, I, you know, you're what? I mean, so, so you, just get, you just forget, and also you just start forgetting to pray, and you just lost the words. Why not take the Bible and read through the promises? In fact, I was in here praying for you and us in the church, and I was reading about one of the promises in 1 John 5 when I pulled it out. I said, I'm going to pray that promise. And it said that if we ask anything in His will, it will be ours. That's also in the Gospels. And I said, God, whatever needs need to be met in this congregation, would you do that? Because it says it right here, God, in 1 John 5. It says it. Lord, you said it. And so sometimes when you and I run out of stuff to pray about, pull out the promises of God. Pull them out and pray that over my family, over your situation, over your whatever situation you're going. Believe God. Circle those promises in prayer. Amen? And in the Word of God, because the Bible is living, it's active, it's powerful. Pray through the Bible. Start circling whatever need you have and believe that God can do it. Amen? You see, it, it, Mark, Mark Batterson was talking about they, they, put a, they put a contract on a building and, and the building was a couple million dollars and of course they didn't have the million dollars but they knew that God wanted them to have the property. So they, they prayed the scripture, uh, Matthew 18, 18. It says, again, whatever they bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So him and a small group of people, they believed for that. And God gave them the million dollar contract of property. Excuse me, they gave them a million dollar property for $325,000. Because they believed for it in prayer. They united, because it says here in Matthew 18, 18, that if, that if, we, if we pray and we bind anything in earth, it will be loosed or will be bound in heaven or loosed. You see what I'm saying? Let me slow down. If we loose anything on earth, it will be loosed in heaven. If we bind anything on earth, it will be bound in heaven. So they said, Father, this contract, you gave us this building. We claim this building. We don't have the money for it, but we ask that you, you give us favor so that the, the ability for us to buy the building will open. And so that contract was set up by God and the million dollar building became $325,000. And God helped them to raise the money because they had faith in His power. And so what I'm saying is you need to learn Matthew 18, 18 in your prayer life. When you see the work of the enemy in your family, you need to pray that, Father, I bind the work of the enemy in Jesus' name of my family. Or, Lord, I lose blessing. I lose salvation. According to what it says, Matthew 18, 18. You need to memorize that. You need to make that part of your prayer circle. Amen? Let me talk about the cattle on a thousand hill. Number two, let's talk about the cattle on a thousand hills. And you've heard this, there's, a, there's an old song, I can't remember how it goes, but in Psalm 50.10, in the NIV, it says, For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. In the New Living Translation, it says, For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Okay, think about that. A thousand hills, think about that. A thousand hills, think of a cattle, a bunch of cattle on a thousand hills. That's a lot of cattle, isn't it? I mean, it stinks, Sure. That's, that's a lot of roast beef. That's a lot of nice leather shoes. That's a lot of nice, lot of nice footballs, baseballs. 
That, that's a lot of nice steaks, hamburgers. That's a lot of nice things. And you see, God is able to take care of it. Let me tell you about the next story. And if you've read this book, I'm just reading a couple examples because these are awesome examples. And Mark Batterson also was talking about when um, Dallas Theological Seminary had started and in 1929 they were about to go bankrupt. And so the, the president and some, and some of the, uh, the board were praying and they were praying in a circle. And they were saying that God, the, fa- the faculty was praying for a $10,000 answer before they went bankrupt. And while they're praying, the secretary knocks on the door. And comes and says, "Here's the ten thousand dollars." And Dr. Sher- Dr. Lewis Cherry Schaefer, founder and president of Dallas Theological Seminary, answered the door and, and answered the, and handed the check to him. And turning to his friend and colleagues, because they were praying the scripture, Dr. Harry Iron said, "He said, Harry, God sold the cattle." And so you think, well, "Okay, Pastor, big deal. Big deal. Who cares? What's the big deal? What, what does that mean for me?" Well, God can do that in our lives. God can move on the heart of someone where they can, a miracle can happen. Now, some of you, we want our prayers answered yesterday, right? And you know, how many of you know the game of chicken? You shouldn't do it like in cars with other cars. You know what I'm talking about? You, you know what I'm talking about? Like you, you're maybe on a bike or something. Well, you know, chicken is you're, you're not going to pull back until the last second. And Mark Batterson suggests, and I think I see this, I don't see the exact theology, but I think he says, and I, and I, believe, I agree with him, that God must love the game of chicken because he plays, he plays it with us all the time. He waits until we're desperate. And he's waiting for us to wait for the last minute before he, in fact, we, we say, God, I need this met, met yesterday. Where were you? And he really knows you need it today. You wait, because here it is. And so, so I believe he has the habit of waiting to the last minute to answer our prayers to see if we will pray through. To see if we will give up. To see if we're still desperate. To see if, Lord, we still trust you. And you see, if we chicken out, we miss out on the miracle, right? Are you following me? But if we pray through, God comes through. Isn't that awesome? If we pray through, God comes through. You see, this concept doesn't sit very well with the American mindset that God just wants to bless us and not stretch us. I mean, that's the American concept. God just wants to bless us. He doesn't want to stretch us. And God has done this throughout Scripture. If you, if you look, remember the, the widow of Zarephath was down to her last, the widow was down to her last olive oil jar. And there was the widow of Zarephath, which is another widow, she was down to her last loaf of bread. Israel was trapped between the Red Sea and the armies of Egypt. The disciples were in a boat that was about ready to capsize. God was playing chicken in a sense. He was waiting to see if they were going to pray through or if they were going to give it. We know the story. We, we know that, that God provided multiple jars of, of oil for the widow. God took a, a, a last dough for last set of bread and he, and he took care of a family throughout the drought. God opened up the Red Sea and the, the children of Israel marched through and, and then it destroyed the enemy. The disciples saw God's miracle work when he calmed the storm. God still does that stuff today. Maybe you're on your last jar of oil. Maybe you feel you're surrendered. I'm telling you, don't give up. Pray through. Be persistent. I'm down to my last dollar in my checking account. 
I'm down to my, my last nerve. I'm down to, to my last whatever. God is able. Would you pray through? Don't give up, amen? God is waiting for you to call on Him. The next thing I want to talk about is holy complications. Along with this, you see, sometimes we get frustrated because sometimes we think the will of God should be easier. We think the longer I'm a Christian sometimes, the easier my life should be. You know, I think that on occasion, but that's not really true. You see, the longer we become Christians, sometimes the harder it is to serve in the will of God. Right? Because you're doing great things for God and so then your life gets more complicated. Are you following me? In fact, when I met Olivia, I complicated her life, my wife. When we got married, I complicated her life. And then as we, we were, in our, a few years in our marriage, we had two complications come along. One was named Michaela and one was named Zoe. And you know what? I can't imagine not having these complications in my life. They're awesome. I love seeing my girls grow in God. And yes, there are times when we're scratching our heads saying, why do they do that or how can we do this? But God brought those complications in our lives so that we would depend on Him and that we would pour our love into them. And you see, sometimes God will complicate your lives to stretch your faith so that you will have to grow. You can't be a hermit. You can't hide from people. You know, sometimes, well, I, I haven't found the perfect church, and you're never going to find the perfect church. Well, I always get offended. Then You know what? God is maybe trying to grow you up. He's complicating your life by bringing people in your life so you will not be so offended. I mean, there's a lot of things that you and I, we just think, well, if we have this plan, if, if all this just happened my way, then my life wouldn't be complicated. He says, no, I'm going to complicate your life because I want you to trust in me. I'm going to bring these complications to your life because I want you to, that you're going to be stretched. You're going to have to depend on me for these things. Isn't that awesome? No. I mean, think about it. Sometimes we pray, we, we pray, God, if I just had more money, did you just realize that if that prayer means your life's going to become more complicated? Because you see, more money means more taxes. Isn't that awesome? If I could just live the life of a millionaire, think, think about all the taxes. Think about all the things that people are going to do to bug you. Your life's just going to get complicated. Nothing wrong with that stuff. But do you see what I'm saying? We always want more of something, but we're never really ready to pay the price. But God wants to complicate it so that we're dependent upon Him. I don't get this, Pastor. How, how does this help in my prayer life? You see, oftentimes, we think blessings are just blessings, free and clear, and it just we're, we're, we're living the high life. A lot of times, blessings will come with a price tag so that we will be a blessing to other people. And the blessings remind us that we need to be dependent upon God. And oftentimes we think, we pray that, we, we act and pray that it as, as if it's God's chief, of, chief, chief objective that His prayer, our prayer needs are just to meet our personal comfort needs. And it's quite the opposite. God says, I want to meet your needs, but I want you to believe big because I want to receive glory. I want to be glorified in meeting your need. Isn't that awesome? God is going to be glorified. Let me tell you a little bit about Christian Annette. I mean, this has been hard on them. Christian Annette giving birth to their first child and automatically the doctor says within two days, your child needs open heart surgery in the next couple of days. Their faith has been rocked. 
their world has been rocked. But I've been talking to them. I've been praying with them. I've been visiting them. They said, Pastor, this is awesome. God is teaching us. God is stretching us. I mean, both times. And I know that. I know they've broken down. I know they've cried. I know that. But they, every time I go, they say, man, God is teaching us something new. And then Christian and Ed said, we've been witnessing to the doctors and the technicians and the other people that, are, that were next to them in the NICU. We've been telling them about Jesus, about God. Isn't that awesome? Their life is complicated, but God used it. And you see, we have this American mentality that life will be easy if we just have more faith, but that's not always the case. It will become more complicated so God can show His power. Isn't this awesome? This is awesome. This is awesome. Let me move on. Now, I know this is, sounds really strange, but woolly socks. <laughs> woolly socks. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? How many of us know that's hard? Trusting in the Lord and not leaning on our own understanding, but trusting in Him. Mark Batterson again mentions that. I've got to pull this because this is an awesome story. He talks about Lisa. And Lisa left her, her good-paying job. She was a journalist, and she left her good-paying job to go work at this, uh, an Alabama Dream Center. Now, if you don't know what Dream Centers do, let me just quickly try to... A Dream Center is a, a church takes this... They, they, they take a ministry, and they, they feed homeless people. They get people off the streets. They teach them skills and jobs, and they get them into... Uh, those who are addicted to have life addictions or who just are homeless, they get them into a place where they can have a better life. And they help those who, who need help. And so, so, so this, this woman, Lisa, had this good-paying job as a journalist, but God called her out of that, and, and she began to work for this dream center. And one day, before she went to work, God had put an impression upon her to take her woolly socks and put it, take it with her. She's, she's like, this is crazy. She, couldn't, she just couldn't get that image out of her mind. So finally, she took the woolly socks, she put them in her purse, had no idea. Let me just read to you what happened. So she grabbed her woolly socks, put them in her purse, and headed downtown. When she got there, a prostitute was literally passed out on the doorstep. Lisa opened the door, carried her inside, and cradled her in her arms until she regained consciousness a few minutes later. She was so cold, she was shaking. That's when Lisa asked her, if you could have anything, what would it be? Check this out, you're already ahead of me. Without hesitation, she said, woolly socks. Lisa about lost it. As she told me the story, she started tearing up. Then I started tearing up. Lisa then told her, look what I have. She pulled out the woolly socks and the woman said, they even match my outfit. You see, sometimes God uses us to be an answer to prayer. We're so consumed. God, meet my needs. God, do it in my life. God, bless me. God, bless me. God says, I want to bless you by being a blessing to someone else. And sometimes God speaks to us and we think, that's weird, woolly socks? Why am I bringing woolly socks to work? Why am I bringing this extra $5? Why am I bringing this book to work today? Why, why am I supposed to go to this route and not this route today? Why did I buy extra rolls today? Be open to the Spirit. Amen? Don't just look at your needs. Look at other people. You say, God, how can I be a blessing to other people? Amen? You see, one day the Holy Spirit will tell you to bring woolly socks to work or something like that. You see, God is great not just because nothing's too big for Him, but God is great because nothing is too small for Him. Did you see the detail that that woman needed some socks? Isn't that awesome? And I want to tell you, God cares about every detail in your life as well. Isn't that awesome? 
He cares about every detail. Matthew 6, 26-27. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Will you just allow God to hug you right now and say, God, you care about what I eat. You care about my bills. You care about my relationships. You care about these little things. But don't worry about them. Let God work through them. Amen? Isn't God an awesome God? Let the Spirit of God guide you in your prayer times and say, God, don't just meet my needs, but let me be a blessing to other people. Let me be open to the woolly sock times of the Holy Spirit. It may not be a woolly sock, but it might be something else God might ask you to do. Think about that. What a blessing that will be. Letter D, look towards the sea. Look towards the sea. I'm getting close to being done here. Look towards the sea. Why did Elijah keep sending his servant to look towards the sea? Because he expected God to answer his prayer. James 5, 17-18, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth, the land, for three years and three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Remember, Elijah almost gave up. He wanted to quit, but he prayed through. So I'm encouraging you not to quit. But also, Elijah knew that with his prayer were steps of faith. He didn't just pray against the prophets of Baal. Remember he had that showdown with the prophets of Baal? He said, let's have a sacrifice. Let's see who's God's bigger. And he, he, he had a, a showdown. He didn't just tell the widow of Seraphath to pray, but he told her, now that you have your, your last batch of dough, make it into, a, into a, a loaf for your family. He didn't just pray for the river of Jordan to be parted. He took his rolled up cloak and, and slammed it down. You see, with his prayer were steps of faith, were action steps. And you see, a lot of times we just keep praying, we keep praying, we keep praying, and we don't take steps of faith out. We don't take our cloak off and hit the Jordan River that we're facing. We don't take our last batch and bake it saying God is going to provide for the next batch. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes you need to say, okay, I'm keep looking to the sea. Where is that answer? Where is that rain coming? Amen? God honored each act of faith. Remember, God consumed Elijah's sacrifice. Remember this? God multiplied the widow Zarephath's loaf of bread until the end of the drought. God parted the Jordan River so Elijah and Elisha could walk through on dry ground. Sometimes our prayers are not answered because all we do is pray. We're not expecting God to answer. We're not taking the step of faith. I'm challenging you. Mark Batterson talks about needing a drummer. And he prayed, said, God, we need a drummer, we need a drummer, we need a drummer. And then he kept praying and kept praying. And God said, then why don't you buy a drum set? Seriously. So they had just a little bit in their checking account. The drum set they bought took their checking account to $50. And guess what God did? He sent a drummer that Sunday. They had to take a step of faith. Do you see this? You, you, you don't, you're, we're not grasping this. Well, that's, that's, that's great for them, but that's not me, Pastor. It's for you. It's for me. And I'm going to be honest. I don't always like doing that. I don't always like taking that last cruise of oil, that last dough, that last thing and stepping out. Okay, I'm going to get in the, I'm going to take my cloak and slam the Jordan River. I, I'm sure Elijah probably was a little, okay, God, we're, we've soaked the altar now. You've got to send fire down. And God did send fire. Bold prayers honor God. God honors bold prayers. Isn't that awesome? 
Let me talk about wet feet. You see, when the Israelites were on the verge of entering the promised land, God told them in Joshua 3.8 that the priests had to put their feet in the water. Remember that? And when they put their feet in the water, the, the waters parted and the land was dry and the children of Israel crossed over until, until then the priests stepped over on the other side. They had to get, get their feet wet. We, in America, we like comfort. We don't want to have to get on our knees. We don't want to have to take time and pray. We don't want to pray all night. We don't want to give our last dollar. We don't want to get our feet wet. We want, we want, we want our cake and we want to eat it too. Come on, right? This is the American church. And God is saying, That's, that, I can do bigger than all that stuff. But you've got to get your feet wet. You've got to step out. You've got to believe that I can do it. Amen? You have to believe. You need to swallow hard and take a step of faith. And we might be saying, God, why don't you part the river? And he might be saying, why don't you get your feet wet? The theology of action. Faith brings action. Amen? Prayer should bring action. When are you going to step out? You see, some of you in this room, you've never learned to step out yet. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying you, you've lived, you, you can live a comfortable life, and that's awesome, but you've never stepped out beyond that. Remember Peter stepped out on the boat after the storm, Jesus, and he stepped out. He was the only one that stepped out. When are you going to step out? Maybe God's calling you to step out. Step out and do something new at work. Step out and do a new business venture. Step out and try to get some new clients. Step out and do something in the church. Step out and try something with your family that would bring them to know Jesus. Amen? And finally, letter F is go fish. This is probably one of the stinkiest miracles that you've heard about. <laughs> You'll get it in a second. I'm not going to read this, but Matthew 17, they were asking this, saying, Hey, hey, uh, uh, Peter, does, do you and Jesus take, do you guys honor the temple tax? And, and of course, Peter says, Sure, we do. And he goes back to Jesus. Jesus, do we honor the temple tax? I'm just, I'm, I'm like making the story short and said, Yes, take, we're, not, we're not really, we're not subject to the laws of man, but we want to offend them. So, so Peter, take your fishing. He says, Go out and get the first catch fish you catch, there'll be four drachmas. There'll be four coins in there to take care of your temple tax and my temple tax. Now think about this, okay, because Peter was a professional fisherman. Okay? This, this sounds like one of the craziest commands of Scripture that Jesus tells a professional fisherman how to go fish. Are you following me? You say, well, Pastor, how does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with my miracle? Why does Jesus do this? First, I believe God loves doing different miracles in different ways. God still does miracles today. And He does them in different ways. And does it in different, different dimensions. But I think Jesus was also going to see that if Peter would trust Him, because Peter had his greatest professional proficiency and self-sufficiency in fishing. If there was any, any person that could catch fish, it was Peter. And because Jesus knew he was proficient and self-sufficient, He said, go out and catch a fish. I'm sure... Peter was probably thinking, all right, I know every trick in the book, Jesus. What's going to happen? You see, you and I had the luxury. We've read the scripture. We saw what happened, but he had no idea. Jesus just showed him a new trick that day. You see, where do you, where do you feel you need God the least? Where do you have a fish miracle where you think you don't need God to work in your life? Where you're proficient? Where you're self-sufficient? It's just then, when you think you have God figured out, you pull out some gold coins out of nowhere, out of a fish mouth. I mean, that's, that's crazy, right? That's crazy. 
It's God's way to renew in us in awe of Him and make us to trust Him even in areas where we're strong, even in areas where we're self-sufficient. Would you stand with me this morning?